If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You must learn to listen to the Rebel and the Rogue, or you will not be allowed to come with me to Alderaan. Need to make a call? Look for a police call box. That's where you'll find Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast from Electric Surge. Two on Who is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, available now in hardcover, audio, and digital wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctor, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Can you say that more with feeling? You sound okay. All right. curious. And I, I'm like, you know, we, I think through Zoom, we lose some of the enthusiasm and the passion. Right. So I'd love to, like, let's just do it again. Just have fun with it. Uh, your your pay, pale fellows well met. <laughs> Don't tell me how to do it. It sickens me. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, I'm Mark A. Altman. And I'm Darren Doctorman, and we are the inglorious trexperts hey that was that was nice <laughs> what were you saying to the rosses over there anyway oh man i don't know I, I told them her death takes place in the shadow of new life she's not really dead if we find a way to remember her what is that star trek 2 wrath of Khan. kramer and i saw it last night spock dies they wrap him up in a towel and they shoot him out the bowels of the ship in that big sunglasses case <laughs> It's a hell of a thing when Spock died. Yeah. We got a great episode. I'm so excited. We, we, uh, we have two wonderful people. Ashley Miller is back, the writer of Thor and X-Men First Class. Known as a producer on Lore and Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles and Fringe. He does a lot. And he's on a top secret mission right now for Netflix, which he still can't talk about. And I guess they probably would have announced it at San Diego Comic-Con had there been a San Diego Comic-Con. So now they may never announce it. That's no. right. It'll drop and nobody will know. And I still won't be able to talk about it. That's right. <laughs> That's usually the way Netflix... It's out there. I can't talk about it. Knows it's on. So, uh, but actually, our next guest is working on a Netflix show that everyone's heard about. And of course, I'm talking about none other than the Emmy Award winning director. He's an editor, producer, Dave Rogers. Dave Rogers has been a uh, producer and an editor um, and a, a director on The Office. Uh, recently, you know him from his masterful work on Upload. Uh, he is a uh, working on an editor and producer on Space Force, which we're very excited about premiering on Netflix with Steve Carell, his old friend Steve Carell. And of course, he got his start working on Seinfeld little show about nothing much like this podcast and uh we're so thrilled because he's a he's an uber geek he can go toe-to-toe with the trexperts 
and yet he has a very different perspective than some of the track experts. So it'll be a very interesting show, and we're just thrilled to have Dave with us. Uh, welcome to the show, Dave Rogers. Thank you. It is a, it is a real treat to be here uh, with you guys. Uh, I love the show, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm real excited to be here and talk to you guys. See how you feel in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone doubts your geek bona fides, I, I hate to put you in the spotlight or, or embarrass you, but um, you uh, went on the Joan Rivers show, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as a, a super, a super Superman fan. Can you tell us what that was all about and your love of Superman? Because I think no one will doubt your, uh, you know, having you on the show once they hear uh, about your history with the Man of Steel. Um. I, I was actually on the Florence Henderson show. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but that is true. Um, Florence Henderson uh, did a, did a talk show and she, one of the, one of the segments that she would do is people who have uh, collections, like, uh, you know, people who have like collectibles. And uh, I had a, a friend had uh, been to my house for something and saw all this Superman, the movie memorabilia that I had and even just other Superman toys everywhere and said, Oh my God, you would be perfect for, uh, for Florence's show. Will you come on? And I was like, yeah, sure. So she's like, all right, well, first we'll, we'll shoot a segment remotely in your, you know, in your home. And then we'll, you know, maybe we'll go on the show. Let's, we'll take a look, feel it out. I said, okay. So they come, they come to my house and they, you know, they see all of my posters. I'm, I, I mean, Superman the movie is the reason that I got into, you know, filmmaking and television. I just was, you know, as, as a little kid, saw that movie and was just blown away. I mean, it's just so beautiful and, you know, so real, uh, you know, and uh, just I, 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 I left the theater going like, wow, somebody made this. You know, someone, you know, and I started looking at what does a director do? What is a, you know, what does an editor do? What is a, what is a cinematographer? And, 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 you know, even, even the music, just all the components of the film. And uh, so I started collecting things and, and, you know, I started, you know, making my own movies as a kid. And uh, so anyway, here I am years later in the industry. And I photographed huge... you in your fortress of solitude. Yes. My, I literally have a, have a floor mat outside that says the <laughs> Superman of the fortress of solitude. Nice. And they come and then they uh, they mic me up and they're about to talk. And I said, what channel is this going to be on? And they go, the Retirement Network. And I was like, okay, all right. That makes sense. That so, was from Logan's Run, wasn't it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it was very sweet. And uh, yeah, I got to show off a, a bunch of my uh, Superman uh, goodies. Some of my rare, like I have a poster that's the side of a, that's the size, literally the size of a building. I mean, it's like, I, I can't even put it up anywhere. It's, it's, you know, just it's so, so huge. Tall, you and, uh, can't even leap yeah, over it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because we're changing the name of the show to Inglorious Kryptonian. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about uh, the Superman. So what's your, of all your, and you, you know, anybody who's been to your house, they know you have this incredible Superman collection. What is your most prized Superman collectible? Oh man, that is a, uh, that is a tough one. I've, I've, can I, can I say a few favorites? I mean, I, I do have, all right, so I have a signed poster of uh, Superman the movie that uh, it accumulated through, you know, some, and it started with some signatures that I got, and then uh, I had gotten some other actors to sign, to you know, to sign it, and then uh, I recently, actually, you know, 
a few years ago, I got Richard Donner to sign it. And it's just a beautiful, you know, it's the, the Superman, the movie poster that says, you'll believe a man can fly with right. the big S. And, and, you know, I love that. I, uh, I do have a, 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 an Italian Superman 2 poster that says La Aventura Continua that I love. And it's a different shot than, um, than the, the movie one where Superman's coming right, right towards, you know, camera and, the, and you see right. the rear of the, the three Kryptonian supervillains. This one has them, you know, he's swooping down. They're coming up from the city. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a beautiful poster. Um, and uh, I have a... Uh, I got, I, you know, I have a, I have a couple other things. I, l- listen, I, I love the posters. I have to say, I have the, uh, if anybody remembers the silver ones, um, that's you know, uh, coming this coming to, to a theater, this, you know, the, the Christmas, whatever it said, said coming to theaters this Christmas, uh, they're rolled up. I haven't even, you know, I, I, I don't have a, t- a ton of room to put all of these up, but I want to make sure that it's in pristine condition for when I, when I finally do, uh, you know, frame it. And, uh, and I got to say, what's nice is I have a Warner Brothers, I have a bust of um, Superman from the animated series. And I got to direct Tim Daly, who did the voice, and uh, he signed it for me. And uh, mm-hmm. that's a nice little uh, thing. And, uh, and I got a lot of other little, you know, I've collected scripts, I've collected uh, magazines, People Magazine from 1978, and, uh, you know, uh, Newsweek, even a Playgirl magazine with Christopher Reeve on the cover as a Superman. Nice. Oh. So, you, know. <laughs> you will believe a man can do that. <laughs> so. I, I, I'd be a lot more impressed if you had Richard Donner's autograph on a green crystal than on a one sheet, but okay. Yeah. Although, I, although, wait, 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 wait. I, can, I, will, I will grab this so you guys can see it and I'll describe nice. it. This is a kind of neat thing. Hang on one second. <laughs> Please stand by while Dave visits the Fortress oh, of Summer. Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, yes, Cinefantastique. Richard Donner signs the cover of Cinefantastique in which he is painted as Jorel. What a great, what a great, one of many great issues of Cinefantastique. Nice. And I, he asked me when I when he signed. He goes, "Where did you get that?" And uh, I said, "I'll send you one." So I sent him a, a copy of that nice. of that magazine. So I've okay. been fortunate to meet him a couple of times. Uh, you know. Well, I want to ask you. Um, well, boy, I mean, you and Jerry must have had a lot in common. Both uh, both huge Superman fans back when you were doing Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I came on and I'll, I'll I'll tell you a couple of great things about about uh, working on Seinfeld. But uh, I came on and, and you know, Jerry was a, a big Superman fan. And uh, I would always, I mean, just my regular wardrobe, I always wore like Superman t-shirts. I had a Superman belt buckle. I mean, when the Warner Brothers store was around, that place was rocking. I mean, they had so much, so much good uh, Superman stuff. But Jerry would always say like, oh, where'd you get that shirt? And we would, you know, just talk about Superman, things like that. Um, he, I mean, he was a true fan. He, he, he definitely loves comics. He loves uh love Superman. But uh, I will say that, uh, you know, I came on as an assistant editor on Seinfeld season eight. And the first episode that I came on that they shot was called The Foundation. And in that episode, the crux of the plot is that they're mourning. This is after Susan, you know, Jerry's, uh, George's fiance has died at at the end of the previous season. And here they're mourning her and Jerry gives a nice eulogy kind of at the, uh, you know, at her, at the gravesite. 
And basically he's quoting Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And he says, you know, she's not really dead so long as we remember her. <laughs> and because of that, George thinks, you know, he's scot-free. He's going to have a great, you know, just a, a great life now. He's, he's free. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, Susan's parents come in. They were so touched by Jerry's words that they may put him in charge of the foundation. And there's a great scene you know, the, uh, the foundation for Susan, there's a great scene where G George comes into the diner and he's like, you know, what did you say? What did you, you know, what did you say to them? And he's like, oh, it's just, you know, uh, you know, wrath the con. He's like, wrath the con. And he's like, I thought I was out. Now I'm back in. I got to do this. And that. And there's literally a moment where he, he looks up at the sky and goes, con! <laughs> and it's so amazing that the, you know, I, I look at it as like, you know, the treachery of Khan has just reached even further than, than its original intent. It's just affecting people in ways that we, we never, uh, never could have guessed. That so. is funny. Well, you know, obviously the office is very much associated with geekdom, you know, mostly because of Dwight's character, but to a certain extent, you also had agent Michael Scarn, you know, with Steve Carell, but, um, and, and, you know, you proved to be a very uh, important resource to them in terms of tapping into geek culture. And I, I know this is not a Inglorious Galactica spurts, but I'd love to talk about that. But more importantly, I mean, you, the fact that you were such a great arbiter of geek culture really helped you initially when you first met with Greg Daniels. What didn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I met with Greg Daniels. The uh, uh, I worked on a show called News Radio at one point after Seinfeld. And um the uh, the line producer. I was an assistant editor, and I started cutting more and more on uh, on that show. And uh, the uh, the line producer said, "Oh, I you know when the Office pilot was made, and then it was going to series. He's like, I, I'd love for you to meet with uh, Greg Daniels. I think you guys you'd be a great fit for him uh, for the show." And I said, uh, "Okay, yeah, great." And I, I watched I watched the pilot, and uh, I I thought, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is." Uh, this is something really, uh, really funny. And about, I don't know, six minutes in or something, Steve Carell does a $6 million man impression <laughs> where he starts going, and I was working actually on uh, the Seinfeld DVDs at the time. And, uh, you know, we were, we were doing, putting all the extras in bloopers and, and things like that because the DVDs weren't made when the, when the show was originally made. And, uh, you know, I was looking to see what my, and I was very content doing that, but I, I saw this, the, this impression of the $6 million man. And I said, I'm doing this show. And, uh, that was it. I, I met with, uh, Greg Daniels and, uh, we had a nice, uh, we had a nice chat and just, you know, talking about the show and I hadn't seen the British one at that mm -hmm. point. I hadn't watched, you know, so to me, this was just a, a brand new thing. And I think, I think he kind of liked that, that I was coming in with, you know, fresh, you know, just fresh eyes. Um, and uh, but we were talking about you know geek culture like in the in the pilot even you know Steve Carell I think he, he does an impression of like Artie Johnson I mean he's really you know doing so he does Hogan's Heroes and, and things like that um, and uh, you know he just he it's it's just very funny how he does he does all these things and, and how pop culture was was a part of the show and there was I said oh I I like that you know there's a Homer Simpson doll sitting on uh, one of the like desk kind of you know, desk areas. And uh, part of that was because Greg had uh, written on the Simpsons. And uh, part of it was just like, Oh, this, it can be here because this is an office and this kind of thing does exist in people's offices. And I said, you know, I could see the kind of character Dwight is that almost Star Trek is too cool for him. 
like too mainstream too mainstream like he would even be a little further you know something a little more uh, niche uh, a niche uh, uh, and uh, I said you know I could see Battlestar Galactica and I, I, I could just picture like and I said this I said like a picture of Viper just you know sitting on his desk somewhere just nondescript and you know I mean anyway these were just comments that that we had and at this point there was no there was no uh you know, second uh, version of Battlestar Galactica. There was just the original from 19, uh, you know, 1979, 1980. And, uh, 1978, sir. 19, I beg your pardon. Never heard I beg it. your pardon. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess there weren't too many uh, Vipers in Galactica 80. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that accurate? Nine was Buck Rogers and 80 was Galactica 1980, which uh, we don't speak of. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Uh, so, uh, um, but uh, I said, "Oh yeah, this you know this could be something that uh, I could see Dwight having." And uh, at some point, I guess when we were doing, by the time we were doing uh, season one or uh, season two, the New Galactica on Sci-Fi Channel had uh, started airing and uh, kind of took off in in geek culture. Um, and even even wider, I think people who weren't even geeks were like, "Oh, this is something really cool," and uh, and it just kind of like melded in with the, with the you know just the the right kind of timing that that we made Dwight this character who liked Battlestar Galactica. And again, it was something. It wasn't that he was such a huge Star Trek fan, although we did make a reference to his ears. I think in the Christmas episode, like, are those your elf ears or your Spock ears? <laughs> because he, you know, we believe that he did have a, a, a set of Spock ears. But ironically, Rain in real life was a huge Star Trek fan because, of course, he went off and played the Harry Mudd briefly in uh, the new Star Trek series. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of had a, had a, a you know connection to you know different things uh, in the in the sci-fi fantasy world. I mean, his character also likes uh, like Lord of the Rings and and hobbits and things like that. And he you know he 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 he'll describe certain things. I know he was trying to write a Valentine's Day poem, and he's describing Angela as like a little hobbit. And um, I think even uh you know we had a character Troy. Uh, Troy under Troy L Underbridge, who was literally <laughs> Troll Underbridge, um, <laughs> and he shows up, and Dwight is like, you know, like, oh my god, like, literally was like, who is this little troll? And you know, I think he's used other words to describe him, uh, you know, something from the the Lord of the Rings type of uh, type of universe. But but going back just to uh, Galactica, you know, we it became something that, uh, you know, they always say like Bears beats Battlestar Galactica because we have an episode where Jim does uh, an identity theft of Dwight. He imitates Dwight and he just says those things and that's, you know, it goes Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. It's kind of blurry. That's better. Question, what kind of bear is best? That's a ridiculous question. False, black bear. Well, that's debatable. There are basically two schools of thought. Fact, bears eat beets. Oh. Bears, beets, Battlestar Galactica. Bears do not, what is going on? What are you doing? Last week I was in a drugstore and I saw these glasses, uh, $4. And it only cost me $7 to recreate the rest of the ensemble, and that's a grand total of 
$11. You know what? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so I thank you. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! And so Galactica, like, came in and it stayed. It, the, you know, there are episodes where he's wearing a Battlestar Galactica sweatshirt. There's an episode where uh, uh, Michael Scott's uh, clothing gets ripped, I think, Survivor Man, and he comes in at the end and he's wearing the Battlestar Galactica sweatshirt. And... Um, uh, and actually, even in the uh, the last episode, the, or the second to last episode of the show, was was one I directed, and uh, it kind of came full circle uh, for me in that uh, Dwight becomes the manager of Dunder Mifflin, mm -hmm. and he's uh, setting up the office the way he he'd like it to be, and one of the things he's doing is painting a model of the Galactica. Well, first of all, as the director, they asked me, which, you know, which model of the Galactica do you want? Do you want the new version? Do you want the classic? And I was like, classic, classic version, definitely. And we even have a joke where he's starting to paint it and Jim comes in. And he goes, look, I like Star Wars just as much as the next person. <laughs> and Dwight gets so offended, you know, it's, he's like, seriously, seriously. And he holds up, you know, the box of the model. Um, but it becomes like a plot point where he's hanging up. He hangs up this Galactica and there's a, you know, Angela has a son and you don't know, is it Dwight's son? Is it not? We're not sure. And there's a moment where the kid is, is pointing at the, at the Galactica. And this kid was like the greatest actor. I mean, you could get him to do things. We were like, oh my God. I mean, just so amazing. Because always, it's always a struggle with kids. But he, he points and, and Dwight looks at it and then does a talking head where he goes, that, that boy looks at the Galactica the same way I do. <laughs> He's like, hmm. <laughs> and I have that Galactica. I'm going to grab that real quick. Hold nice. on one second, just to show you guys. <laughs> and here it is right now. Hang on, hang on. In your face. <laughs> Watch us on the electric. You can see video. Did you actually get to see uh, the Sweet Lonely Quest coming? Space. Oh, my goodness. Galactic Earth. But, uh, Let's take a look at that. But let me hold this up. I have, uh, I have the Galactica. I can send you guys some pictures. But uh, here's the Galactica. And uh, Rain Wilson signed it for me. Wow. Nice. Because uh, Rain yes. Wilson, uh, Dave, Galactica loves you. So nice. uh, that is, of is course, the, the original Ravel model kit. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, this is a, it's a pretty thing, and, and our uh, our prop department uh, put it together. Um, Phil Shea, and uh, yeah, I love it, and I'm uh, I'm glad to have this, and I, and I have a photo with with the Rain when he signed it, and he holds it up for he held it up for me, so that was uh, really nice. Also, and uh, I, I will just say one, one, one more small thing is that uh, one, of, one of my birthdays during the, the run of the office, Greg Daniels bought me a, a model of the, the, the base star, a, uh, a nice. Cylon base, base ship. So uh, I have, because he always knew how much, Gala I brought Galactica into the show and how much I loved Galactica. So I thought that was a great, a great, great gift. See, I thought... It was like the episode where Bob Vance was having his bachelor party and they got you a stripper and then Michael freaked out. <laughs> I'd, like, um, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit about how you transitioned from editor to director and, and what that entailed because I, I, I know that the directing on The Office is was not a, a conventional sort of setup. It wasn't you, you know your normal either one camera shoot or you know, three, certainly not a three-camera studio shoot. It was a lot different. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I had, you know, 
I mean, from from editing the show, I, I came on and and I was pretty confident. Like whatever's thrown my way, editing wise, I can I can do. If it's multicam, single cam, I had I had been doing both of those things. Um, so you know, just but but getting this kind of a show where okay, the cameras are really moving. Nothing, it's not locked down. Nothing's like creamy smooth. And sometimes it's finding things and stealing things and finding reaction shots and timing and and knowing don't don't hold on to something too long. Like you know when to you know when you cut to Jim and uh, you know the camera finds him and he looks at the camera and he gets a little smirk and then you know get a, get away from that, get out of it and stuff. Um, so I had been, I told Greg uh, Daniels. Um, even at the end of uh, season one, I said, uh, you know, I'd, I'd really love to uh, direct. And he's like, yeah, I, I think you'd be good at it. And he directed his first live action episode that season. He did one called Basketball. And, you know, we had we had a great shorthand. And he's like, I'd like for you to be on set with me just to make sure I'm getting everything. Because with the basketball, it's a it's a weird thing. You have you have two hoops, but it's like you can't it's, it's kind of hard to describe. But if you have you have to move the camera you can't have it in the same corner <laughs> on both hoops. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise it just looks like you're looks like the same hoop. It looks yeah. like, exactly. It looks like the same hoop. And I said, okay, we have to, you know, and we kind of mapped some stuff out before. And I even, I designed a couple shots. I said, Oh, if you do this, it'll look like, you know, Jim could say here, pass, pass, pass. Or, or Michael say pass, pass, pass. And Jim, you know, he looks away, Jim throws the ball and we'll shoot in a way that it looks, you know, it's a rocket and it's going by and it, you know, we'll hit these boxes and, and, you know, Michael doesn't catch it, just things like that. But uh, Greg had such a natural ability to communicate with the actors and to, he knew when he, when he got what he wanted. I mean, that was, you know, just early on, he knew, but it was great to be on set and to be able to, you know, to be someone and that the cast responded to. And for me to even, there were times where he's like, he's back at video village and he's like, when you feel we got it, yell cut. And I was like, okay. So, you know, there would be, you know, it's a lot of it is just, you know, they're playing basketball. I mean, there's just a, a, you know, just a lot of stuff like where it's like, yeah, let's just keep getting it. Keep just getting coverage that things, you know, and they'll, they'll work in little bits and stuff like that. And such a fun episode too. And Jim gets very competitive with uh, uh, Pam's fiance. Yeah. Uh, and uh, David, played by David Denman. And then, of course, you know, the whole idea whoever wins the game, uh, they don't have to work that weekend. <laughs> right. So, really fun. I mean, look, I think when you talk about The Office, everybody has, you know, will have a favorite, you know, episode of The Office. There's so many great episodes. I mean, there's a reason it, it stands the test of time and that Peacock is building their whole streaming platform on the back of The Office. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, it's amazing to see uh, fans, like just new fans, people who, but even my nephews now are, they're starting to watch it. I'm like, you guys were on the set. They don't remember. Like they would, I'm like, you guys came to visit when you were five and two and, wow. you know, and now they're watching the episodes. Um, but, uh, uh, but I, I was just going to say like, um, uh, you know, editing just, you know, to get back to Darren's point, like editing uh, episodes, you know, you get the feel for, for what the show is. And then you, you get frustrated sometimes when things aren't executed right. You know, when, when directors or, or the cameras aren't, aren't executing things right, or you wish, Oh, I wish we had this. I wish we had that. So I kept telling Greg, like, I really like to direct. He's like, okay, okay. So season two comes and season two is ending. And I was like, I'd really like to direct. He's like, okay, okay. Um, and then season three, we, we get through and there were some tough, 
you know, at, at that point we had opened up, we had more directors coming in. And, and uh, for the most part, I think everybody did, did a pretty good job. But there were some where I was like, look, Greg, I, like, I feel like, you know, the editors were, were saving some of these scenes here. You know, I, 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 I'd really like to direct. I can't do any worse. <laughs> so he was like, okay, okay. So he had announced, I guess, uh, you know, Kate Flannery, had, uh, who plays Meredith on the show, she's like, hey, congrats. And I was like, what? She goes, you're going to be directing next season. I was like, I am. And like Greg had sent an email out to the cast saying, hey, this is who's coming back and this is who's stepping up to direct and da-da-da. And I was like, oh, awesome. So uh, I was very excited uh, to direct. I was going to get one in season four. And uh, then the writer strike hit. Fucking writers. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that shut things down that shut uh, production down and by the time we came back I mean we were only going to shoot a few episodes and the line producer was like look I don't know what promises were made and and at that point I was just like it's okay we just everybody just wants to get back to work I I'm I can wait it's okay and uh, sure enough then season five started and right away they said okay you got an episode here you go and so it was my it was like all right and you know one of the things Greg had asked me he's like he said uh what have you done to build confidence with the cast? And, uh, but, you know, before directing, and I said, well, you know, they see what I do in editing. They're always seem to be appreciative. They, they know that we're all, all of us, all the editors are working hard to find their best stuff. Uh, you know, their best moments. We don't, we never phone anything in. We, we work hard, you know, to, to make takes work and, uh, and to connect pieces together. And uh, because the stage and the set, like the editing, they were all in the same place. We'd all eat lunch together. We would talk. I would, you know, pop on set. So we were, we were all a very close-knit kind of group and, and really like a big extended family. I still talk to cast members. I still talk to uh, crew members all the time. So uh, it, it's, you know, it, it was like we – I wasn't worried. I was like, I'm going to do my best. And, and I knew that they would, you know, be there for me as well to help me, you know, and not – you know, not let me, you know, fail, so to speak. So, so you didn't walk on set and say, editorial saved your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you were thinking it. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> so, I mean, but they know what, what the directors I, do that, that put you in a position where you had to save the episode. Like what's that, what's that thing, right. That, that, that puts you in that position. It's not, listen, it's not so much saving the episode or anything like that, but it's just like, man, we really have to struggle to, to connect things together. It's, it's right. just like, you know, it, it, the cameras are just moving around, but it's like, well, you don't, you didn't settle. You didn't settle on this person or you didn't get this. So I got to like steal a reaction from another episode even, or I have to, you know, steal it from another scene or I have to do a, you know, flip the actor. So they're looking the right way, you know, just things like that. I mean, sometimes you can get away with crossing the line, like, you know, where depending where cameras are it's it's right. you know there are rules and and you know these rules can be broken but sometimes they can't be like it just looks too disorienting you know there's a the, there's just certain situations where you kind of you know the filmmaking the the storytelling you know it has to be done a certain a certain way sometimes and, you uh, just gotta cut to the basketball hoop yeah exactly i mean so <laughs> so you know i mean that's it. like you need things to anchor certain scenes and like I said, sometimes it's like, God, we, you know, they just, they don't hold the, you know, the, because our show was so, it was all handheld and the cameras could zoom in and move around. It, it, it took a lot sometimes to, you know, bring that stuff in and, and call through all this footage. Plus we would shoot a ton of stuff because we could shoot so quickly. It's like, you're on the set, you're not, okay, we got to shoot. And then we got to relight to turn around. We didn't do a lot of that. It was like, we're lit. 
And it's like we're going 360 degrees. So the scripts would be long. We, you know, that's why we have tons of deleted scenes because we could shoot, you know, our, our assemblies would come in. They'd be like 39, 40 minutes long. It's faux documentary style. Yeah. It's not like you're sitting up and putting the, uh, the baby doll lights on Shatner's eyes. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. What was the first episode that you directed? So the first episode I directed uh, was, a pr- was a pretty big one uh, production-wise. It was called Employee Transfer. And uh, in it, uh, Michael Scott uh, and Holly, uh, played by Amy Ryan, uh, he's driving her home. She's no longer going to work at, uh, you know, Dunder Mifflin uh, Scranton. She's going back to, uh, I believe it's Vermont is where her, uh, where her, her office is and, um, and, and where her home is. So she, uh, I mean, in it, I had a lot of things <laughs> going on. Um, in that episode, I had a big, ha- the opening is a big Halloween scene. So I have a big Halloween scene. And, uh, for, for geekdom, I had three jokers in there. Okay. <laughs> I had a uh, Brian Baumgartner as Kevin is wearing a Joker suit. Uh, uh, Dwight is wearing a Joker costume and then uh, Creed comes in. And I mean, he looks like Heath Ledger in, in, uh, the dark Knight. I mean, he's really got a great, a great uh, Joker costume. Uh, so that was, that was fun to, fun to shoot. And then, um, so that's, that, that was just like the cold open. Then I had a, I had a storyline of, uh, Pam and Jim, uh, Pam is going to dinner and she's meeting uh, his brothers for the first time. And she wants to pull a prank on Jim, but it kind of backfires and they're kind of pranking her while they're, they're at, uh, at lunch. And then, uh, another, another story at line was that, uh, um, Ed Helms comes in, uh, Andy comes in, who's a big Cornell guy, and he sees Dwight all decked out in Cornell paraphernalia because Dwight is going to now pledge and, and, and try to get into Cornell. Um, but the main storyline was uh, the, was Michael Scott and Holly and Daryl driving uh, from Scranton to Vermont. And uh, along the way, I mean, they're singing songs, they're playing games, they're happy, then they're sad, they realize how far it's going to be. And ultimately, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a little uh, heartbreaking at the end that he, he leaves. And, and uh, I remember that. It's you know. extremely emotional and sweet yeah. and sad. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets in and, and you know, some things you just work out uh, well, too, because, you know, we, the way we shot, we, uh, you know, doing this driving and, and, and shooting the you know, the house where, where he's dropping her off. And then he gets in with Daryl into the truck. And, you know, some of it, I, I got to, you know, there's a little, little pretty cinema there where he gets in and you see Daryl like with his keys and okay, he's going to get into the front of the, the truck now for the ride home and shooting the, uh, it was a, a totally different day where we were shooting them uh, humming the blues. Da-na-na-na-na. And, and it was like, we were losing light. And it was like, okay, we, and it, to me, it's so pretty, but man, if we were like 10 minutes late, you know, behind schedule, like we would not have gotten those shots. They just would, it just would have been too dark. And have you read the new book about the office, the oral history of the office an oral history? I did not write. So uh, have you read it and any thoughts on that? I, I, I have not read the book. Um, some of us declined to, uh, to, to participate, um, I, I had I had interviewed uh, with uh, the author for uh, he did a he did an article for uh, I think uh, Rolling Stone magazine for dinner party and I was happy to contribute anything and I, I think I even sent him some pictures and things but I felt a, an oral history book 
Like this was something that Greg should kind of do. And, and that, you know, when he's ready to, to do a, you know, like someone involved with the show, like when, when he's ready to, to be a part of it and really be a part of it, that we would, uh, you know, everybody would participate and tell the story. Right. But, uh, but I've heard good things about the book. I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of good, uh, tidbits in there and, and some, some things, but, uh, I didn't want, I just felt like I, you know, I'll, I'll hold my stories for when, uh, when Greg is, uh, is ready to, uh, officially do something. Or when Altman and Gross write it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no. Or oh, Glorious no. Trexperts no. wants me to spill anything. So have you, have you ever watched uh, Star Trek before? Uh, I'm sorry. What's that? <laughs> There's a show. It's called Star Trek. You are going to have Star Trek on your Star Trek show, right? <laughs> so not only that, I when I saw um, Free Enterprise oh, for the God. first time, um, the little references I got, great performance by you, Darren, by the way, um, doing a, a Shatner as Kirk. Um, I, was right. a, I was a huge fan of that. But um, there were things that I, I love that movie so much, and there's the, the part where Eric McCormick is – is telling someone, he goes, will you please sit down? He goes, will you please sit, sit down. down? And I was like, oh, this is, not everybody is going to get this. Like, like yeah. I was watching with my girlfriend and I had to explain to her, I'm like, this is great. It's a little thing, for, you know. In fact, nobody gets them. I got it. And I was like <laughs> so thrilled that I got it. Which will bring me to another story in a bit as well uh, on The Office that I, I some things I, I shared uh, with Mark. Um, but uh, I, I will, uh, regarding Star Trek, the motion picture, um, and Stephen Collins, who I got to direct on an episode. Um, but I'll, I'll, let me hold off on that for a sec and just say... Uh, That's what I call might, unwarranted. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I got into Star Trek. I'm, I'm a little different, I think, than a, than a lot of people who... Uh, um, you know, I mean, most people got in from the show first and they were, you know, fans of the show. For me, I remember my dad used to watch it like in syndication on a, in New York, WPIX, Channel 11. And I was like, what are, who are these guys with these bright shirts? You know, what is this? And I remember seeing Star Trek, the motion picture in the theater and being like, oh, it's, it's kind of pretty. But, you know, but I went to a birthday party and saw Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. And that was it. I was I've been a Trekkie ever since. I mean, like gung ho just love that so much and from there went back and watched all the episodes um you know watch rewatch star trek the motion picture seen all the movies since i mean even when when star trek 4 came out i saw that twice uh that thanksgiving weekend that it came out and uh i think the same for when uh, star trek 6 came out it was like twice in one weekend um, and I'd gone to conventions. I, uh, you know, I used to go uh, to New York to the creation conventions at the Penta Hotel. Um, and I got to see Leonard Nimoy, uh, you know, and he would, he would do a trick. He's like, watch this. And, you know, he, he would hold up, uh, do, the, do the, and all these flashes would go off because everybody was, was taking a picture when he would do his uh, Vulcan, uh, his hand, uh, his hand salute. And um, I was out here in 1991 for an internship uh, out in Los Angeles for an internship. And I got on the Paramount lot and I'm walking around and I see all these trailers and it's Star Trek. They're shooting Star Trek six. Mm -hmm. And I see George Takei and he's in his trailer. And I'm so, you know, naive. I don't know. Like 
whatever. There was no security. So I go and I knock on his trailer. I'm like, I have to do this. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I go and I knock on his trailer door and he, and he, he opens the door. He's like, yes, yes. And he opens the door and he's, he looks so regal and he's in his robe and he looks good. His hair is, you know, his makeup on. And, uh, I said, hi, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I'm a huge fan. And I, I just, I have, there's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I have to say hello. He's like, yes, yes. And he, he shakes my hand. And then I, I tell him, congratulations for making captain of the Excelsior. Cause I had been, I, I would all up to date. I was reading Starlog magazine. So I, I knew little tidbits that they would reveal and stuff like that. Um, so it's your fault. So, <laughs> but, uh, but that you, was, that, you that was said so the monster. That was thrilling. <laughs> security, security. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, let back at, at Turbo Shaft Eight. You were you had a Stephen Collins story. For I us. did have a Stephen Collins story. So, I was uh, d- directing a, an episode uh, of The Office called Garden Party, and uh, we got to cast um, Ed Helms' parents. Nice. So we cast his mother, uh, Dee Wallastone. Um, so Dee. Dee actually was a teacher of mine. I took acting classes with her. As a director, I always wanted to, to take acting classes. Uh, so I took uh, with uh, Joanne Barron and uh, D.W. Brown. They did a, a Meisner style, and I, I learned so much from them. I did a two-year intensive with them. And then uh, I, was, I took another class with D. So when I got the chance, when we were like looking for people, like I would love to get D to come on. Now, Dee's from E.T., Cujo. I mean, sure. she, she's amazing. So we, got, we cast D, and then... There were, you know, a list of guys and it was like Stephen Collins. It was like, oh, this is amazing. So Stephen Collins shows up on set the first day and I go, Commander. And, uh, and he's like, whoa, I haven't heard that in a while. And so uh, every day I would, I would kind of give a quote when he would rap for the day. And so I would say like, that's how I define unwarranted. And then one day he's rapping and I have, I am so busy. I have so many things going on, you know, directing. I've like, I've got the whole, I mean, literally the whole cast is there plus Spader, which is, you know, he's, he's tough, great actor, but like he asks questions. You better know the answers. I mean, this is a guy, he wants to be specific. He wants to know what's going on. I, I've got, you know, the uh, rain Wilson's going to do a dance with torches. I mean, just so much stuff going on. And, uh, so Steven is rapping for the day. He's like, hey, hey, what do you got for me? What do you got for me? I'm like, oh, my God, I've, I've got so many. I got, And I'm like, you know, it's like I'm frozen. I'm frozen. And then suddenly it comes to me. And I go, belay that phaser order. And he goes, wormhole. Awesome. <laughs> so that was really great. And I gave him a, I gave him a couple of comic books. Uh, I said, you know, they, they still, they tell your stories in comic books too. You know, there's still stuff with, from, you know, there, there's, there's been some stuff of, of you. And he's like, Oh, I'd love to see it. So I, I gave him some comic books and he signed, he autographed something for me too, which was just really nice. nice so not Decker unit. <laughs> Decker. Oh my uh, goodness. But yeah, no, he cool. was he was great, and I was I was glad I was able to pull that quote out, and that he he got it, and he ta- he actually told me he's like, God, we shot that for so long, like just doing that, they had to you know keep doing it and keep doing it. But uh, he appreciated my impression of uh, <laughs> of being in the wormhole and going belay that, you know. So. And then they said, Dave, we need you back here on planet Earth. Yeah, we need you on set. Dave, we're rolling. Get over here. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to Stephen Collins yeah. about. Commander Decker? Commander. As much as you wanted the Enterprise, I want this. Um, Okay. 
Well, after The Office, you, you went on and did The Mindy Project and had a great experience on that. But uh, right now you're working on two projects uh, at, you know, almost concurrently, which are both super Wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I don't want to, I, I do want to back up one second for the Mindy Project. There's an episode I got to do uh, on the Mindy Project, one specifically, uh, well, first of all, I got to, I got to work with Tim Daly, which was great. So we became friendly and, um, and, uh, you know, we would talk about, uh, about Superman. Quotes, Adam? Huh? Did it, no, there's no quotes. I just said I'm just such a huge fan, and I wore. I, I got a picture with him. I was wearing a Superman shirt, of course, right. when I when I got a picture with him. But he signed some stuff for me. I, I did. I have a couple of cells from uh, from Superman, uh, the the animated uh, series, right. and um, and like I said, he signed my uh, my bust, which I love, my Man of Steel uh, bust. Um, I mean, I was doing an episode of uh, Agent X, and it was John Shea and Helen Slater. Oh. And- Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know you sit there and you're just like, and then they don't get it. <laughs> well, actually, John was John was great. He totally he's very proud of his Lex Luthor, and then um, you know it was so cool having you know Helen Slater. It was funny because Denise Crosby was originally supposed to do that role, and then she couldn't do it, and they got Helen Slater, and it was like, like Helen Slater, Supergirl. This is, this is pretty cool. Anyway, I, go I met Hart Bachner once at a uh <laughs> um at a uh at an emmy party and uh i was like man did you have any idea when you did die hard like how cool that role was gonna be and he was like you know and he's like no you know you, you get the script and this and i was like man that was so awesome and you know he's into it and i'm like and supergirl and he's like oh we don't talk about that <laughs> and he just walked away <laughs> and i'm like oh, what's wrong with supergirl come and that on was the last time you spoke to heart yeah <laughs> um but I, I did want to say I did one episode of the Mindy Project where she does Groundhog Day and uh, she lives the same day over and over again. And her boyfriend, uh, who has broken up with her because he's like, you don't know anything about me. And he's a kind of a geek and a fan. And um, it's kind of nice uh, that uh, she starts studying all of his things. So she's reading comic books. She's watching Star Trek The Next Generation. She even gets to a conversation with him about Kirk versus Picard. And I'm like, she's like, Kirk had to wear these mustard shirts, you know. And uh, it was just really, she's, I have her battling with a lightsaber. She even has a blindfold on. And then she even does, I've got a great moment where she's in a costume. She's dressed up like Robin. And uh, she's like, I'm going to wear this to comic convention. And uh, <laughs> and he's like, I'm kind of a, a Marvel guy. And then boom, we cut right to the next day. And now she's dressed up in a Marvel character. And she's talking about her favorite X-Men and things like that. So uh, that one's called... Uh, hot mess time machine if uh anyone's uh interested in in checking that out that's a favorite one and what what a perfect episode for you to direct too they had the right guy to direct that yeah yeah so i was uh i was excited i'm like finally some superhero stuff (laughs) hot mess time machine that's great yeah and now you're working on um both upload which just premiered on amazon and of course uh space force um tell us a little bit about uh, how that came to, to happen and the, the experience of working on both. Obviously, Upload is the first really special effects intensive show that you're you, you're working on. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, of course, Space Force, is you're working again with Steve Carell, and it's sort of a satire on this whole ridiculous Space Force thing that uh, Trump uh, put into uh, play. 
Yeah. So, uh, so upload came about, you know, Greg Daniels, uh, had this idea kind of gestating for a long, long time. I think even in the eighties, he had, uh, was starting to think about this. And, um, so he was kind of, you know, was coming more and more to fruition of what he wanted to do. And, uh, I, you know, ultimately it ended up, uh, at Amazon and, uh, he's like, okay, we're, we're going to go shoot the pilot. Uh, he's like, well, you, you know, you want, can you come and edit it? I said, sure. And I finished, uh, I had finished the Mindy project then. So I was free, you know, I had an opening and, um, so I was like, yeah, great. Uh, you know, let's do it. So, uh, we, we edited the pilot and, uh, you know, we had a ton of visual effects. And so it was new for me, definitely doing, you know, all the shows that I'd done with maybe the exception of The Office, we had, you do have special effects and sometimes they're invisible. You don't really see certain things that we do or, you know, adding a, a you know, set extension, you know, street life to, a, you know, a New York street that's shot on a lot. You know, you want to extend or make buildings taller, things like that. But this was something where suddenly, everybody's talking, we have screens on hands and, and, you know, uh, it's supposed to be in the, in the not too distant future. And we have drones flying and, you know, even making the city bigger. My, my originally when we saw New York, I said, we should have some taller buildings there. That's kind of a traditional, (laughs) you know, sci-fi trope. And so if you look in the, in the first few shots of the New York skyline, you'll see the freedom tower. And there are, I think like three other buildings that are taller than it now. Um, so, uh, so anyway, that's how, you know, Greg had talked to me about it. I came on board and uh, just kind of, you know, he, he, he knew what he wanted. I mean, there was a lot of work that was done in pre-production designing, like what the cars would look like, what the, what the, uh, you know, what the, how the, you know, the, some of the graphics and, uh, you know, just cert, just a lot of, a, a lot of little detail and how Lakeview, how it would, you know, how, how it would be different and how he wanted it to look and things. But it's really like, until you start shooting it and, and, and editing it, and then, then you're really like, okay, they're going to dis- in, come in and, you know, you have characters uh, that come in and come out mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, you know, literally like a, almost like a transporter. Where uh, you know you have Nora, for instance, who's uh, you know she does tech support, but she is an avatar in the virtual reality environment. So how she you know comes into that environment and how she leaves, it's very Star Trekish. Mm-hmm. And we had to fight against it being too Star Trekish because right. Greg didn't want that. He's like, it needs to be you know certain people have different sound effects for how they come in and out depending on if they're a, or if it's a real person, are they someone who work on the in the you know tech support is it someone who's just coming in from a, a you know someone from home who's just coming in you know differently uh but uh when i was building a lot of the sound effects i pulled star trek sound effects <laughs> and we just to play stuff just to be like hey right. this you know and and then we would replace them later so they're all stuff is either gone or buried but anything that we had but i was like this is how i kind of i can identify with what's happening and we looked at a lot of things, um, even just for like, you know, the hand screens. Greg was like, oh, it should be like this, you know, in, fit into the hand. Um, yeah. I know no one can see it, but, I, I'm, you know, if you watch the show, you'll see like people, they, they lift up a phone. Yeah. And they hold it and it just, yeah. it's almost it, like it holding it. It fits in the crook of their thumb and their forefinger. Yeah. And when you're in the real world, it's people have a wristband and they have a wristband and that's what's projecting it. Right. When you're in the virtual reality environment, you don't need the wristband. You're just, right. hold, you know, you're just holding it. I, I binge watched the whole show over one day last week. Wow. And I really, I really enjoyed it. It kept me interested throughout the whole thing. You're a tough critic too. I am. Yeah. But, but I, I, re- I, I really enjoyed it. But 
I, I noticed all the all the you know floaty phones and all the uh, screens and everything. I thought, oh my god, what a nightmare for someone to track all that stuff. These vitals are dropping. We're losing him. Do we really want to upload? We could be together forever. You are so amazing. But forever is just like so long. Uploads that way. Or's the other way. What do you want to do? Three, two, one. Upload. Hello, Nathan. Ten fingers and toes? Pretty seamless. This is the first day of the rest of your afterlife. You may find yourself living in a beautiful house. Cool. Welcome to Lakeview. Uplifting views, timeless Americana. Yes. It's 10 a.m. Breakfast is over. No! It's not even real food! Two guy coming through. This one. Do I dare? Dare. Yes. Hey, boundaries. Cute. He thinks he's cute. And you may ask yourself, how did I get here? Denied. In-app purchase required. Uh. Is this what you look like for real? You're not some old dude or something? No, this is me. You're a little cutie. So I understand you were in a bad place yesterday. Uh, it's only weird if you make it weird. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing in editing. So that's thank you, thank you, Darren, thank you. And by the way, we looked at a lot of things. Mark, you had the trailer for Pandora had come out, and um, the lead character did something on her wrist, and like something popped up. She was looking at a map, and I even showed that to Greg, and he's like. I, yes, because there were a lot of different ideas. And it's like, we didn't want to imitate anything, but I was like, you know, these are like, this is pretty cool. So it was like, we want, you know, there's only, you know, there's probably a limit to how many different things it can be, but to incorporate your own style. But it, I, I did show him that. I was like, that's pretty cool. And, and we had said like, yeah. You say that because we went through the same thing. It's like, how do you avoid it being too Star Trek? Yeah. So you're looking for your own technology. And for a while, you know, we had these ideas of sort of like rolling plastic tablets, like you'd roll up and then you roll and there'd be images on it. And we were going back and forth on how to do all that. And then we came up with the idea that like, uh, of, you know, wearables of the future and what would wearable, and it, it, it became the, 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 the wristband. But it's true because, you're, you know, Star Trek is, is the template for, you know, all these sci-fi visions of the future. And you're always trying, you know, not to imitate it because, and it's because, funny. you know, yeah. every show is trying to keep it not be Star Trek, including Star Trek, mm -hmm. by the way. And they're doing a great job. <laughs> I, I'll get into that stuff with you guys later because I am pro all the new Star Trek stuff. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Discovery and uh, I love Picard. But anyway, we'll, we'll fight later. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll There's battle. There's no fighting. It's Itic. Everything is good. Yeah. In the room? There's no fighting in the room. <laughs> We, we, we've never said anything pro or con about those shows. No, no con. Like what you like, don't like what you don't like. Yeah. This show that celebrates the love. So we support things that we love. All right, good, 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 good. And love things that we support. But yes, going back to Darren's point about tracking. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, suddenly, like, we had two editors on the show. And uh, it was like, yeah, we've got all this time and there's only 10 episodes. But it's like, oh my God, my, my assistant editors, I, I got to give a shout out to, um, to Josh Toomey and to Tim Cooper, who, uh, who are our assistant editors on, uh, on Upload. And uh, I mean, God, with the pilot, I mean, there was so much stuff, you know, there, there's a whole scene where the character of Nathan is, 
he opens up his hand and he's talking to his girlfriend and he's doing a walk and talk. Yeah. And anytime Greg was like, Oh, I want to change the timing here, the performance, like we would lose the track. It'd have to be retracked. And I would like, I was at, I was editing in the Paramount lot and my, I had a wall between my, it was like my edit bay. And then on the other side of the wall was the assistant. I would just knock on it and I go, Josh, you got to retract this, <laughs> you know, cause it was like constant. My, my other editor, Rob Burnett, uh, one of the episodes, um, uh, the, the second episode was like a, of, uh, not our Rob Burnett. A, a different Rob Burnett, yes. <laughs> I know another Rob Burnett. Um, there were many copies. Yeah. With at least three. Yeah. But the one of the, the – the, after we – you know, we did the pilot and then another episode, and then the I guess the third episode was this funeral episode that we did. Right. And there's so many screens. I mean, it's just like the way we shot this, and this guy's at his funeral, but he's behind a big screen and every – you know. And it, it just took – Greg couldn't understand why it was taking so long to put together. And it's like you start adding like – and now there's this three-dimensional cube that he wanted, to, which was playing images, and they're what, and and plus stuff in there had to get things comped in with, and and then these people are watching from New York, and it's got to get comped on their screen. But we need to show L.A. and Lakeview, and you know, so it was, it it definitely was challenging. We know next season we need more editors and more in-house VFX guys to do stuff. Well, I mean, you just learn. Me a, You're like, give me okay. a call. Give me yeah. a call. I'll yeah, do yeah, it. yeah. No, I didn't. we'll we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. Give me ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> but we learned by the time by the time we came to do Space Force, it was like we had four editors and we had an in-house team uh, doing stuff. Uh, you know, doing mock-ups and temp. And I was amazed at some of the stuff they they could do just temp and like the for the visualization. Right. And uh, and also, I mean, listen, we used we used a effects houses uh, on the pilot. We used a, a VFX house gradient. That did a great job on the series. We used uh, 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 Fuse and then uh, Zoic, uh, you know, also on Space Force. I mean, so it, it's 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 nice to have these guys and you see what they can do and you're like, wow, it's it's you know, it's incredible seeing the, the, this stuff, this three dimensional, uh, you know, things just being brought to life on on TV. And and you know, I mean, I'm a fan of of so much science fiction television and superhero television, Star Trek. So when I, I see that stuff. You know, and it, me getting to play with it a little bit is 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 a real treat. Well, we learn by doing. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Space Force. I mean, that had to have been a hoot for you because you just said it. You're a huge sci-fi fan. It's playing with the conceit. Did she change her hairstyle? <laughs> Hadn't noticed. Sorry, <laughs> right, sorry, sorry, Mark. Continue. What was the experience like for you doing uh, doing Space Force? And, and, and we know what the challenges were in uh, Upload. You know, what do you find the challenges? But every show has its own unique challenges. What were your challenges on, on Space Force? I want to welcome our newest four-star general, Mark Naird, formerly number two at the Air Force. Thank you. It has always been my dream to command a service branch. Our nation's internet runs through our vulnerable space satellites. POTUS wants complete space dominance. To that end, the president is creating a new branch, Space Force, <laughs> which Mark will run. What? This is a great adventure we are embarking on today. There will be setbacks, but greatness was never won without sacrifice. Oh, he is blowing it, just like you thought. Yeah, it is a complete shit show. Oh, my dry cleaner. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they lost my dress wipes. Space should be a zone of wonder, not of conflict and death. As a scientist, you have loyalty to reason. It makes you a little untrustworthy. 
How much was that prototype? Four. Million? Middle schools. Cost as much as four new middle schools. Fuck. Fuck! Well, I gotta, I gotta think about what, what I can say uh, about Space Force. Um, in, in, in a general sense, I mean, it was definitely easier than upload. Part of that, again, was that we had more editors uh, because I'm a producer also and I direct, so I get pulled out of, of editing. Um, and it, but it's nice to be able to sit there with Greg and, and work with other editors and see what they can do. And then that way, if I need to like, oh, here's something, I'll you know, almost like be a utility player, be like, oh, I'll help, let me jump on this scene and I'll, I'll do a couple versions of this or that. Um, but uh, the challenge is, I would, say, I would say with Space Force, you know, the, the biggest challenge, we do have some, you know, we do have VFX and there's some three-dimensional things that are created and some stuff that, you know, when it's done right, you don't even know that it was artificially created. Um, it's funny. I, I was just watching, I don't know if you guys saw the, uh, ILM special, um, that's on the, uh, I don't know what it's, what it's called. Tom Cruise narrates it. Have you guys oh, seen yeah. that one? It was PB. It was PBS. At oh, first. it was PB. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And, and there's a moment where, uh, John Favreau is, says, you know, he's giving notes saying about, uh, about a CGI shot of, of Iron Man, the suit, and they said, oh, that's that's not the CGI suit. <laughs> and, that's, right. and then he realized, okay, I can't tell. At that point, he reached the point where he's like, I can't tell the difference. And right. that's that's a good thing. And and it's like, that's that's the thing. When it's done well, you can't tell. Like, okay, right. here's something that we've created. Here's a three-dimensional thing, uh, you know, that's uh, that you can't tell is a, is a visual effect. At its best, it's just another tool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 all a tool, uh, uh, you know, for filmmaking, and it's it's neat. Like I said, we it's it's different. You know, some of these shows, the the budgets are just unbelievable, and uh, you know, we're you know we have some money to play with, but it's not it's not the same as like uh, you know some of these really you know like Westworld. Oh my God, <laughs> like you you just you know you just see like that the production value, like they're really you know putting stuff in there but i think space force looks pretty good pretty pretty good so, <laughs> you know. well you know it, it, it's it's uh it's it, it's just it's just fun to see you know you circle back to this you know comedy we've been so successful at but still having that little bit of genre element to it because of course that's something that you just you know it's, it's part of your dna um you know, clear, clearly, this is the man who went on the Florence Henderson show and talked <laughs> Superman collection. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Like all of my movies that I was a fan of growing up and, and TV shows were were all you know, Six Million Dollar Man, Knight Rider. I own yeah. a Knight Rider replica. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I own a that. Yeah, I mean, I own a kit because uh, I'm I'm such a fan of of you know superhero and, and bigger than life you know uh, action hero uh, television and, and, just uh, as long as you don't have a life-size david hasselhoff i think you're doing okay i'm okay maybe I'm, he I'm, does I'm, I'm I, doing wouldn't a, I don't want to know if he does I'm, hey 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 <laughs> hey some things need to remain private don't ask <laughs> yeah, do you have a um do you have a a, a car a k-a-r-r -R. do you have the evil kit i do not <laughs> i i have friends who do Mm. And sometimes we square off, but nice. I do not have uh, <laughs> the night automated roving robot. I do That's not have correct. That. Thank you. Very yeah. good. That's, um, uh, it's really funny. You know, it's funny you mentioned um, how much you like the ILM documentary. I'm really enjoying on Disney Plus the uh, behind the scenes of the Mandalorian right now. Oh. Particularly uh, listening to Dave Filoni talk about Star Wars. It's, it's, it's a good sort of behind the scenes 
thing. I, yeah, but again, not Star Trek. Yeah, not Star. Trek. Not Star Trek. Not Star Trek. <laughs> um, I just watched. I just finished watching uh, Picard, uh, the finale, for the second time because uh, my girlfriend hadn't watched. She hadn't watched the last two episodes, and uh, it's just so nice. Listen, whatever people's opinions are and things like that. I, I, I mean, I like I said, I love Discovery. I was. I don't want to give anything away. I was blown away at the plot twist in this first season of Discovery. And then, uh, and watching Picard, I'm like, it's so nice though, just to see these characters that they're back. Like that there's, you know, just to be able to like, Oh, we get to enjoy them again. Like we thought it was over that we wouldn't get to see them again in that way. And, and it's just, it's just so nice. And I, I'll tell you something. When I was, when I was going to the Star Trek conventions the first time around, I was one of those guys who had a shirt that said loyal to the original crew. And uh, and had uh, you know Kirk Spock and Bones on it. I was like, I you know remember there were shirts like we don't need another generation, but man, like what season? I, I would say I watched every episode of Next Generation, but when season three came around, man, that was good. And I just like I just loved it right away. I just loved it. And then you go back and you appreciate it. Your your old friends. No, <laughs> you burned that shirt. In other words, I still have it somewhere. It doesn't fit anymore, but. Uh, but I was like, oh, there's there's lots of Trek, lots of different things to love. You know? something for everyone. Yeah. To say something for everyone. All are welcome. Yeah. All welcome. <laughs> Ashley, you are you any thoughts about uh, this you know, he's sort of like the successful Scott Mance, David. <laughs> now, Scott Mance is very successful in his own uh, in He has that kind of passion that I, I see scott mance when i go to the gas station and i fill up there yeah, are videos there. playing and there it's, scott, it's scott mance i love seeing scott mance <laughs> honestly i i love that you know that uh that you're channeling all of your love for all of this geeky shit into into more geeky shit i'm right there with you man i mean i could sit here and just listen to you talk about this stuff all day long like i i would love to just you know kind of get into your whole thought on sound design because i realize we talk a lot about how things look we don't talk a lot about how things sound. And it was really interesting to me that you brought that up, right? And that you as an editor, like what you're thinking about, like just going into the sound mix, like, and just in designing all of that, kind of in your position on uh, on Space Force, like and yet, how do you think about sound generally and, and as sort of this thing that people don't generally realize is so important to the, to the, to the creative, you know, just fabric of a show. Well, like, I'll, I'll say the space. I mean, Space Force is is really set kind of in reality. I mean, it's not it's not in the future. It's supposed to take place like now. Um, it's not you know, it's not futuristic. Like Upload is set, I think like 30, 30 years from now or something like that. You know, not too far in the in the future. There's a poster in the pilot episode of Upload. If you you might catch where uh, his friend Jamie shows up to Thanksgiving, and on the wall in the background it says. Uh, Oprah Kamala 2024. I saw that one. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's just little things like that. And um, but Space Force is, is set, you know, more in, in reality. And uh, what's nice is that we we did have a big composer, um, Carter Birdwell, and uh, and we had a big orchestra. We had a full, full orchestra doing music. So that was that's the first time I've worked on a, on a something like that where we, you know, there we have a full orchestra. Wow. That's exciting. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but upload was something with sound design where we really, you know, you're designing a lot of the, the visuals and to match it. And, and again, we, we did want to stay away from overly, I don't want to say we, uh, 
Greg wanted to stay away from overly Star Trek type of right. sound effects because uh, you know he did want to keep it somewhat, somewhat like not too far in the in the future that it's you know these are things that they're still familiar. Originally, we had a sound design that was very retro, like a mailman would show up, give you mail, and leave like a, an avatar type of thing, and you would hear like the whoosh, you know those kind of sound. And some of them are still in there in the in the show, but I was like some of these will get they start to get tiresome when you start hearing it again and again right. you know some sound effects like you don't want to hear the male scent type of, of sound effect over and over again we have to we have to kind of be careful and, and have some freedom to you know to, to play with things but uh you'll see like like i said if you watch you'll see characters the sound effects they have the best example is when they come in and, and come out and you know, to uh, to the environment. Ashley, it's such a good point you made how we haven't really delved into uh, post and send. You know, maybe we should have Bill Ritter on as a guest. One of the, you know, Bill's our, our fantastic, uh, one of our producers, sound mixer. But every time we finish an episode, he goes, oh, I worked on that movie. Oh, I worked <laughs> on that movie. I worked, and we're like, well, why don't we have you on the show? Because yeah. I have <laughs> He'd be he'd be a great guest, and you're absolutely right. We sort of have given short shrift the sound other music. We've had those wonderful shows with Lucas and Jeff talking about the the music of Star Trek, but um, it'd be interesting talking about sound effects. I remember years ago I interviewed um, for Audible um, uh, the the man who did the sound effects for original Star Trek, Douglas Grindstaff, mm -hmm. and it was a really fascinating conversation. Um, he's obviously passed away, unfortunately, but maybe we can get somebody from one of the more recent shows like. Space Nine or, or, or the next generation to come on and talk about. It. So that's a good idea. But uh, Dave, so, uh, you know, in terms of uh, Inglorious Trexperts, you've listened to a lot of episodes. What, what, what's the, the most horrible thing that we've said that the, the, the thing you, you take most offense to? I, I feel like uh, you guys bash Star Trek three a lot. And uh, I've, I've heard it a couple, uh, a couple of episodes and, um, and I was like, man, and I get, look, it's, is it better than Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? Of course not. Uh, and and you guys have reasons why you don't, uh, you know, love, let's say love it as much, okay? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> um, right. And, uh, and then, and then there, are, there are some reasons that I, like, okay, that's valid and that, you know, there are, listen, the Genesis planet, you could say, like, yeah, it, it looks, there are things about it that look very artificial. If they had shot in Hawaii, maybe it would have it looked better, you know, than, than on the soundstage. Um, and everybody agrees we love when they, that he steals the Enterprise. Um, you know when when Kirk and the crew steal the Enterprise. That's that's just fantastic. And the music is great. How he's stealing it and and then you know and uh, you know to me like the pieces at the end it's I, I know like Darren was saying that he was more upset with the uh, the Enterprise being blown up. He was more sad about that than Spock dying at the end of Wrath of Khan. And he's like, because I knew Spock was going to come back. And I'm like. I didn't know Spock was going to come back. When Wrath of Khan ended, there was no like, "Hey, Star Trek Three is coming out in two years, and Spock will be back." Sure, there was. There's a whole there's a whole sequence in uh, Golden Gate Park that shows Spock is coming back. Search your feelings. You know it to be. I did not. I just to me it was like uh, to me it was like okay, here you know we get to see he, this nice last resting place. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I didn't know that the torpedo may have soft landed. Um, <laughs> you know what it is about Star Trek Three, and I, just to use a, a school metaphor, right? Just for all the Star Trek movies, Star Trek Three like is the kid that we beat up on because that kid ha not only has no friends, that kid tries too hard, right? Star Trek V doesn't have a lot of friends either, but that kid is basically sweet, not trying too hard. In fact, may need a little bit of help. It activates our sympathies. You know what I'm saying? But Star Trek III, sometimes you just want to take it out and slap it. Because it's like, look, I, you're not I, Star Trek. 
Stop. Listen, I disagree. If I had, if I was on a desert island, you know, and I had uh, three or five to choose from, I would take three without well, it, without hesitating. You know, it's funny that you say that. I would take five. By really, the record. you would take. But 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 let me ask shoot you. Shoot him! Shoot him! Come on! You know at, the, at worst with Star Trek Five, you can just turn off the visuals and let Jerry Goldsmith do the rest. Um. I, I wanted to say this though, uh, it, it, you're uh, because you were saying you know you were talking about some of the things that you really liked in in Star Trek th uh, three, um, as as well as you know saying like oh there are things about that that we that we don't uh, like, and I was going to say there was one moment that I thought you left out, and uh, it's when um, when the Klingons get uh, David and uh, Savick and and young Spock, and suddenly you hear the Klingons are like sir there's a ship. And, and uh, you know, you hear in the communicator this moment, like, Grissom, this is Enterprise. Do you read me? And, it, and it's Kirk's voice. And, like, there's a moment where Spock, where uh, Savick and David look at each look other. at each other. And yeah. even David has, like, a little half smile. And I'm like, oh, I just, I love that. I love that. And, I mean, yeah. it, to me, like, there are, there are a lot of great moments. And it's, to me, it's, it's a little more, you know, it's not as satisfying the ending i feel like god he lost all of this stuff and he lost his son to get back spock and i felt like you know that's that's really tough but you know i mean it definitely it to me it's still a great ride and it, it gets us to star trek 4 which is a, which is a great movie like it's a nice trilogy it's you know it's like you want to either lose david or lose the enterprise but not lose david and the enterprise yeah, like to me, like if you would have lost the the second Savic, I would have been more content. Do electric boogaloo? <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, you know we should do like that Seinfeld episode with the mirror experts, and actually have an episode with the mirror experts talking about how great Star Trek Three is. Rad, and I got a few other Star Treks they probably love too. Yeah. Um, but that that'd be funny. So Dave, you mentioned Desert Island, and this will be a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, if you know, let we're quarantine which is sort of the equivalent of being on a uh, a desert island i guess for the moment what uh you know if you could only watch a couple of certain star treks uh, you know what are your favorites what are the ones you, you mentioned you star trek 3 obviously but uh, clearly star trek 2 is something what, what are your couple of your other star trek desert island discs i mean god listen i would uh, star trek 2 the wrath of khan i i luckily got to watch it recently in a uh a special screening uh, narrated by uh, uh, you and uh, Darren, which was awesome. Oh, yes. You know, so <laughs> that, that was, was a lot of fun. That was, that was great. I, I can't know. hear you. Say that again, Mark. With $1.99, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was great. Um, so, yeah, Rathacon. I mean, listen, I could watch Rathacon over and over and over again. And so some people ask me, like, how often do you watch it a year? And how many times is it just that you watch it in your head? You know, because I can, like, I, could, I met you the first time I met you. I was I, I was quoting, uh, you know, you know, God, Kirk, you're still alive, my old friend. Still, old friend. You've managed to kill just about everyone else, but like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. I mean, I just yeah. I, I listen. I love love Rathacon. Uh but uh, I love uh, you know. Is that from watch. a poem? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, ode, ode. <laughs> we love Scott. By the way, it's great. I love the enthusiasm. You guys have enthusiasms. Enthusiasm. Yeah. It's, it's a, energy is a, akin to Scott's when we have Scott on the show. Like Dave Rogers just has, you know, he's like, you know, the Genesis. He's just exploding with energy. 
Listen, I made, you know, you talk about my background. I made, you know, I started when I was making videos. My first video was a Superman movie. My second one was a Star Trek movie. And I built a set, uh, you know, just I built a set on my, uh, in my dining room, my parents' dining room. I had Christmas lights coming through white oak tag, you know. And uh, I had people, you know, dressed up in shirts. I made little insignias and I, I wrote a script and, you know. It was, I cast it with people from, I cast it with popular kids from high school even. Nice. That they're, you know, I, I have like some of the most attractive people from my high school, you know, that were like, yeah, we want to act, sure, we want to do it. And, uh, you know, um, so. It's just like doing a show on the CW. Yeah, that's, I was, I, I created the model for that, you know. Nice. Um, but, uh, but going back to. Uh, uh, Everybody's pretty. <laughs> going back to Desert Island, um, I don't know, you know, uh, Star Trek Two, definitely Star Trek the motion picture. Like you just get kind of lost in that, in the visuals. You know, my friend and I, we, my friend Barry, we used to watch it. We call it the epic. And I had the special longer version on VHS that we would watch. And it's just like, yeah, we like it. It's just it's longer. There's, you know, they're watching those visuals, but it's so pretty. I mean, it is. It's, it, and I've learned from you guys even like the things about it. It's like, oh yeah, it is more cinematic. It's bigger than than Wrath of Khan in places. Like even the, you know, when the shuttle lands and you see this the huge space that they're in and, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you know, there's some next generation, you know, uh, things that I like. Uh, you know, with the, obviously battling, you know, the Borg. There's a lo there's a lot of good episodes I think in the next generation in the in the later seasons. Man, the last episode of the next generation, all good things, is yeah. so good. Yep. I mean, just so good. And the way the script, when he's going, when it starts, when the game really starts coming and he's going back, he goes, right, I'll tell that to my, to my pet, to the crew next time I'm back in that time period. And it's just, you know, he's, the editing is so great because he's here, he turns his head and then he's, he's in this time period. I mean, just Picard, you know, it's so great. And I love, I love the movie First Contact. I think that's a, a, an amazing movie. Um, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what, what else, you know, there are old episodes of the original series. I could, I could, you know, pick a bunch of them that I, that I love. I mean, into the man trap, my girlfriend is constantly, she, she like kisses me and is like sucking. Mind. And I'm like, you're sucking all the salt from me. And that's <laughs> become like a running gag that she's like the man trap. And I'm like, no, my salt. I mean, it's, if it was you know, your girlfriend, could she take this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just did a, we just did a video, even in quarantine, we did a video for someone's birthday. And I was like, let's just do something. So I'm, I dressed up as Kirk and she, uh, She's got a nice uh, Uhura, you know, outfit, a, a long nice. red uh, skirt. And, you know, she comes in with an, with an iPad and we even put like the Star Trek insignia on the back. It's like, we have a birthday message. I'm like, oh, it's star date, you know, 2020-05-07, you know. And, uh, you know, nice. so just have fun. I, it, it was great. Uh, it's, it's been great since I, I started dating her, like introducing her to Star Trek. And so she's, you know... I, we we true story we, we went to the WonderCon. it was like her first time ever coming to WonderCon. it was the one in la and she was so tired from walking around that day and i'm like oh i got just a thing that'll help you fall asleep so i put on star trek the motion picture it's peaceful it's listen it's rated g so then but but you know, we start to fall asleep. She's like, can we pause it? I want to finish it tomorrow. And mm -hmm. that was it. She, we were off and running. She, you know, she's like Star Trek ever since we watched all of them. And then I, I picked episodes from the next generation for her to watch. And then we watched the, the next generation movies. And then, you know, we watched discovery and, you know, Picard and, 
you know, and and we watched. Listen, I love the J.J. Uh, Abrams movies too. And you talk about the sound design there. I love the way he took the original, you know, the kind of the bridge ambience and what he kind of did with that. That it's and I mean it's it's so nice to so nice to hear that and 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 the way he did that. And I had a, you know my friend Mary Jo Markey edited that, and J.J. Um, Abrams directed an episode of uh, The Office, and I got to. Uh, you know, I got to work with him and then he invited me, he let me come to the set. So I got to watch them blow up sick bay and the nice. 2009 star Trek. I was like, I need action. I, I'm a, I see all these talking scenes. I want to see some action. So that was, that was a real treat. You know, well, that, that's, that, that's great. Well, Dave, it's been uh, such a delight having you on the show and you know, we love your energy and your passion and uh, it, it's it's fantastic and such great stories um and i i gotta say i remember that WonderCon very vividly because of course it was like that episode of the ben stiller show my i'm friends with scotty you became good friends with herb jefferson jr i'm friends with boomer <laughs> yes <laughs> that was and he was a he was so terrific yeah and all those people that that we can remember uh we was uh you know, Alan Levy and all the Galactica contingent. That was a really special evening. So anyway, well, thank you for joining us for Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a fan of the podcast, you can now download the Electric Now app so you can watch our video podcast as well as 430 Movie, Rebel and the Rogue, Two on Who. You can actually see Dave hold up the Galactica <laughs> on Electric Now. So check that out. And a special thanks to Bill Ritter. Uh, who makes us sound good, even on these virtual Zoom panels. We sound as good as we can under the circumstances. Of course, our producer, Natalie Miscali, our production coordinator, Zach Raggetts, and our research consultant, Peter Holmstrom. So until next Saturday. Thank you, Ashley of, Miller. Thank you, I, David Rogers. And thank, thank you, you guys. This has been, this has been great. I'm saying on behalf of Ashley, <laughs> Darren, and myself, Mark Alban, thank you for joining us. Keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Shh. Engage. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.